What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Creature Feature, the show where we take one cup of animals, one cup of humans, some butter, and make a tasty casserole. I'm your host, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology. And you know what? I've never been stung by a bee. I think that must mean I'm a bee whisperer. Today on the show, we're talking fantasy creatures. Explore the legends behind mythological creatures, the science behind them, and their real-life animal counterparts. We'll hunt down real unicorns, basilisks, griffins, aliens, and jackalopes. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, why would anyone throw out a perfectly good pair of testicles? So... We're fascinated by myths, even to the point of our own psychological detriment. A lot of kids were terribly disappointed by not receiving their Hogwarts letter. Urban Dictionary even has a term for it, Binkernstophobia, the fear of not receiving a Hogwarts letter on your 11th birthday. And also, after watching James Cameron's Avatar, some people felt situational depression as they experienced the cognitive dissonance between the beautiful fantasy world and their blander reality. Well. Fear not, today we're going to talk about the stories behind mythological creatures and find out that they have real-life animal counterparts who are just as magical. When you look at the variety of behaviors and morphology of real animals, you'll begin to realize that you don't need to escape into a fantasy realm, we're already living in one. Joining me today is Alex Schiffman, producer of Science, the live show about science. Hi. Welcome, Alex. Hi, everybody. Uh, Thanks for welcoming me, Katie. Of course. So... I got to admit, I just went to the Getty Museum and I learned a lot of this content that's going to be in the show from uh, this exhibit. It's really good. It's the uh, Book of Beasts exhibit. I think it's a limited one. So if you're in L.A., you should check it out now. So if you're in L.A. and you're a snob or you're really trying to impress somebody (laughs) on a date, go check it out Right, exactly. I mean, the Getty is free, but parking is expensive. That's where they get you. That's where they get you. It's like the shipping. Right, right, exactly. But it is technically free, so... 
Uh, great, great date location as long as you like Uber over and don't have to pay for parking. <laughs> or you walk there. Oh, I heard I you see. like park. Are you like hiking? What is this walking? What? <laughs> well, uh, don't don't worry about it. We'll talk about that mythologically. Right, in a bit. right. The the mythological uh, walking distance <laughs> places in L.A. Um, all right, so we're we're gonna get right into it. You know, Alex, if you couldn't use weapons or your fists or like which are weapons which are weapons legally registered weapons mine too by the way yeah anybody can legally register their fists as weapons right i'm a purple belt is that a belt i'm sure you could make a belt that color yeah the reason i bring this up is i want to talk about the bonicon have you heard of this Uh, mythological creature i have not heard of this mythological creature all right well the 12th century illuminated text the Aberdeen Bestiary describes the Bonacon as such. So, in Asia, an animal is found which men call Bonacon. It has the head of a bull, and thereafter, its whole body is the size of the, a bull's with a maned <laughs> neck of a horse. Its horns are convoluted, curling back on themselves in such a way that if anyone comes up against it, he is not harmed. But the protection which his forehead denies this monster is furnished by its bowels. For when it tries to flee, it discharges fumes from the excrement of its belly over a distance of three acres, the heat of which sets fire to anything it touches. In this way, it drives off its pursuers with its harmful excrement. (laughs) That's so roundabout. That's that's the most beautiful description of of an animal that destroys things with fiery poop. (laughs) I've ever heard. Wait, so does it shit fire or does it yeah. breathe out no, no, it fire shit, it, shit gas? It, it craps fire. It, it breathes lightning and craps fire. Oh, my God. And it's the Chuck Norris of yes, animals. Yes. It's uh, uh and it, it's <laughs> I love these illustrations of it. It looks so kind of bemused by these people attacking it. And it's like, you do know my poop is made out of fire, right? You guys chose the wrong end. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so that um, is a wonderful animal. And uh, as you may know from listening to the podcast, if you've listened to our Weapons of Ass Destruction <laughs> episode, the idea of weaponized poop is far from being a fantasy. So uh, we ha- It could still be your fantasy, your personal That's fantasy. That's true, but it is real. So your fantasy is reality. Good news. Good news. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we did actually, we talked about... Uh, one of the closest real life examples of this, which is the bombardier beetle, uh, and how when they're threatened, they shoot a hot, noxious chemical spray out of their butts as a defensive mechanism. So I, I want to talk about how hot that butt spray is, which we may not have discussed last time. Ooh, so, God, butt spray is yeah. always hot. So it reaches boiling points by the resulting chemical reaction from combining hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide. And another interesting parallel is that the bombardier beetles are mainly found in Asia and Africa, where the Bonacon was said to be from. They have, quote, horns, which are really just their antenna that mm-hmm. can curl inwards. Uh, and I wonder, it, it makes me wonder, I have no actual evidence of this, but I'm just theorizing that maybe there were some descriptions of this beetle. Um, and then it just like telephone kind of like got past by word of mouth and then eventually it became the size of a bull and just this bull that spewed fire over three acres yeah that's interesting i also 
I love how they say it's got the head of a bull and then it's the size of the bull. Right. Also, where it's like, that's kind of redundant. Well, but if you look at a lot of these animals in the bestiary, it'll be like, it's got the head of the bull and it's the size of the mouse and it's got feet like a duck. And so they really just like to mix and match things. So. They had no measurement criteria. <laughs> so they're like, things are either bull size or mouse size right, or somewhere right. in between. Um, the bombardier beetle is a really fascinating animal to me especially evolutionarily because so it's got these two jets it shoots and when they mix it's like the opposite of ghostbusters you very much right. want to cross streams but like right how did it get from normal ass beetle to bombardier beetle like was right it, what were the stages where it was like oh well this one shoots out hydrogen peroxide from its ass mm-hmm. and that helps because you know when its babies get cut you know it like shits <laughs> hydrogen peroxide on their cuts and then what were like the mute the the mutation accidents to eventually get it to like oh well now i'm shitting flames i mean it's that's hard to say i think that it's just kind of one of those things where you got millions or of years of evolution and you have you know a few different chemicals that can result on and we have a lot of like you know it could have been something where it was originally um, just kind of some uh, waste material. And then uh, like one of them just had a mutation where it, it was like a, a, a specific chemical. And then when it mixed, it was like uh, quite, quite noxious. Um, it, it's one of, it's, it is one of those things where it's like you, you feel like, oh, this feels so weird for it just to be random. Right. But you have to remember that, especially with insects where they are, there are so many generations, they rapidly reproduce so much so there are so many individuals within just like one year and then you have millions of years it's like yeah it's eventually gonna just explode shit will <laughs> and must get weird exactly i, I would literally love, yeah yeah literally i would love the the intermediate stage when it's got it going but it doesn't have the projectile right right ability, so it's just like my ass yeah oh, my ass no got, one wants to eat me but my ass hurts got a case of the hot ass <laughs> I also wonder if the Bonacon got confused with hippos because um, they do spray dung. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. They love spraying dung. We, we've also talked about them before. As uh, if I could hate hippos anymore. Aww, but they're so cute and they want to kill you. Yeah, they're so deadly. <laughs> so I want to go down on a trip to Imagination <laughs> Station with you uh, as we as we do on this show, Alex. It's okay. very serious. It's not a laughing matter. Um so imagine that you're in the late 1500s in Warsaw. Oh, God, um, yeah. So many leeches, and I <laughs> definitely have dysentery. Keep going. Exactly. There you go. You're already also, there. Also, I'm Jewish, so I was probably not uh, living in a nice place No, then. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it, well, yeah, 1500s. It's going to be a rough time anytime you go down go go down in the time machine. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Jewish people, yeah. So two little girls go missing. A mother and her maid go looking for them. And, you know, they're calling out, you know, everyone's kind of noticing that that they're searching for these girls. And then finally, they go to an abandoned home and they look down into the cellar and they see the girls lying there and they call out to them, but they don't respond. Uh, And the maid walks down the steps into the cellar and freezes, completely petrified. The mother you know, scared shitless, like runs off Mm -hmm. to the town and starts telling everybody about what's going on. So you're hearing this story from her. Rumors spread and an investigation is launched and people go down to the cellar. uh, And, you know, that people are telling you that 
when they went to visit the cellar, the air felt thick and foreboding, uh, and nobody was brave enough to go down and recover these bodies. So they got some iron hooks and pulled them out. Uh, and when they were examined by a physician, I mean, they were obviously dead, uh, and he found that their bodies were unnaturally swollen and their eyes bulged from their skulls. Uh, and if you were living at this time, like, what would you think had gone down? Uh, witchcraft. I yeah. think the other people would have probably blamed it on me as well, a because, Jewish person. Yeah, but... I mean, Jewish people, we, we don't, we are witches. That yeah. is true. But we don't go around like exploding children. That's, <laughs> that is a myth. Yeah, that's a dang lie. <laughs> and whoever heard that on Alex Jones, yeah, um, I would probably think it was some sort of witchcraft or yeah. a basilisk or something like that. Yeah, well, you're very close okay. because... Uh, this is actually the historically verifiable and at least partially true story of the Warsaw Basilisk. Uh, according to writings, officials who investigated the incident pinned the murder on a basilisk. Uh, so first, for people who don't know, let's talk about what a basilisk is. It's a serpent with a rooster head who can kill by staring at you. Uh, it was said to leave a trail of poison wherever it tread. Even its blood was poison and could drip down any weapon you used to try to kill it. And if it contacted your skin, you would die. Uh, and some basilisks were depicted as having rooster legs and leathery wings. Uh, I love those. I love that depiction. Right. And they weren't actually supposed to be very big. So they were like about the size of like a, a large rooster or do a small dog or something. So uh, the the fear factor is that they can stare at you and kill you or something. And just fuck up everything. Right. Yeah. And they just, they look super goofy though when you look <laughs> at illustrations of them. Um, but people were terrified. I mean, especially you have these two dead little girls mm -hmm. whose bodies are mm -hmm. very disturbing and it's, you know, that's, that's horrifying. Uh, according to the historical writings about the Warsaw Basilisk incident, uh, since nobody was uh, brave enough to go down and try to kill the basilisk, a convict was sent down to capture the basilisk. Either Jan or Jan Bodensen, Bondosen, author of The Fiji Mermaid and other essays in Natural and Unnatural History, uh, describes the hunt for the basilisk as such. Quote, the convict was dressed in creaking black leather covered with a mass of tinkling mirrors and his eyes were protected <laughs> with large eyeglasses. Armed with a sturdy rake in his right hand and a blazing torch in his left, he must have presented a singular aspect when venturing forth into the cellar. He was cheered on by at least 2,000 people who had gathered to see the basilisk get beaten to death. This is convict covered in mirrors, like a disco ball, uh, carrying a rake and going like, well, gonna kill this rooster snake, I guess. God, history is so dumb. It's so dumb. What else did you have for entertainment then? That <laughs> 2000, I mean, but think about it. Like you're in 1500s Warsaw, yeah. you're, you've got you know jack crap to do you're just like like well i hope i don't get the pox there's a disco ball man about to kill a magical lizard ro rooster thing fuck yeah hey Hell isn't that, yeah isn't that the dude who stole my bread <laughs> yeah they were gonna chop his hands off but they thought this would be funnier oh man that would be great it's i mean it's like reality tv yeah but, but old timeies his um, outfit sounds like it sounds like when you think of the coolest D&D &D get up and yeah. then you put it in real life. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I Imagine the sound, too. Yeah, just uh, like ching, ching, with ching, With the creak ching. of leather under it, too. <laughs> ching, ching, ching. 
guess I'm going to kill a basilisk. <laughs> well, this was not how I thought my life would go. I was supposed to be an alchemist. So incredibly, according to historical writings, he did, in fact, find and kill a basilisk. Um, but as we know, there's no such thing as like an actual basilisk. So was this a bit of creative license on the part of old historians? Or did he actually find some kind of snake in that cellar that they just were like, yeah, that's it. That's the basilisk. Uh, so there are a few parallels to an actual snake bite uh, that could have happened mm -hmm. to these little girls. So snake venom can cause swelling, uh, which is what the physicians observed on the girls' bodies. Um, but the problem is there aren't really that many venomous snakes in Poland, um, but there is one. So the European adder, uh, they're not actually typically all that dangerous, but they are venomous. Uh, they're not aggressive. Their bites aren't typically fatal, but children do in fact succumb to their venom at times. So, so some of the deaths that come from adders are typically among children, which and the, the victims were children. So I wonder like, if this account is true, um, like, could it be that these two girls were playing with an adder, like, kind of just, like, molesting the snake <laughs> until the snake lost it and, like, bit both of them, and then that killed them. And then when the convict covered in mirrors went down, he found the snake, uh, and the maid was frozen in terror because... Obviously, because there are two little girls who are like bloated and dead, and that's she's got like some trauma now. Did but didn't she die? The maid? The maid? No, no, no. Oh, she was oh, fine. Okay, okay. Um, uh, so it's the so people thought like, oh, because she's frozen in terror, that's because of the stare of the basilisk. Mm -hmm. But really, it's probably like she just found the bodies of these two little girls. Uh, she could have even seen like a snake. Like we have yeah. a this. Like even if you see a snake or a spider out of the corner of your eye, you get really anxious, even if you don't consciously register seeing it. Uh, so, I think that it, it's really interesting to me how you know mythical creatures are used to give explanation to really frightening, inexplicable occurrences. Um, because like when ch like a, when a child is killed and it's either a random accident or like even more horrifying like a, another human mm. being we want a monster to pin it on like a monster that can be vanquished yeah. and held up in the town square and like yeah i got it um, then it's not humans then right it, the things you know aren't actually dark and evil it's right. something outside of yourself and in your world and it's also not just a random sad tragedy it's right. like something you can blame rather than just random chance is it so much easier to live in a world where there's something blameworthy rather right. than life is just right because you chance. get closure once you kill the basilisk mm -hmm. whereas if it's like yeah a snake bit it and there's there a snake bit these kids and there's a bunch of snakes could happen so or like a murderer killed them right those are both way more scary because it like makes you feel like i'm not safe yeah anything could happen right no one's safe but here. if but if you like kill the basilisks, like, well, we took care of it. This won't happen again. Right. <laughs> um, so another potential origin of the basilisk myth in general um, is that of the spitting cobra. Um, so it can't kill with a stare. But if you stare at it and it spits its venom into your eyes, you will go blind. <laughs> um, so spitting cobras are found in Africa and Asia. Um, their expectoration is very dangerous. Uh so it's not actually spit, but venom from glands that are being um, shot out by muscle contractions. Uh, they can spray up to two meters away. 
Uh, so you got to give them a lot of personal space. Uh, and while the venom isn't dangerous when in contact with human skin, it can cause permanent blindness and corneal swelling when in contact with the eyes. Damn. I, I, corneal swelling. That's a good... I love that. That's a good D&D name if yeah. we're on that topic. Sir Corneal of swelling. <laughs> of swelling. <laughs> um, but a spinning cobra doesn't really have the look of a basilisk. And what I think actually inspired artists in terms of what the basilisk look like is a very real lizard who's actually called the common basilisk. Um, And it looks a little bit like a chicken and a lizard combined. When you think about it, that makes sense because chickens and lizards are both descendant of, uh, you know, dinosaur Mm -hmm. relatives. Um, And uh, this basilisk lizard has a crest on its head and a fin on its back that when it's moving, could probably be mistaken for like leathery wings. Let me let me get uh, a picture of this yeah, for you. I'd like to see this. You can kind of see, right? Oh fuck, that's rad. Right, you could kind of see how that would confuse per- people because it's yeah, it's its nose is pointy and it's like a different color, so you could maybe mistake that for a beak. It's got this like crop on the top of its head or a, or a crest on the top mm-hmm. of its head that could look like a rooster crest yeah and then it's got this big fin on its back and its tail that like when it's moving around you could think like that's a big wing if i were a marco polo type right, right like somebody who grew up in a in a world where there were not basilisks and then i traveled to a place where one existed all bets were off right like, yeah, okay, anything is possible. This thing is insane looking. Yeah. It'll kill me with a stare. <laughs> It'll know my right, name right. just by looking at me. Right. It yeah. knows the exact day and time I will die. <laughs> um, it smells like cheese. This thing is, uh, is <laughs> it's real and anything is possible. So what's cool about these lizards, um, so first of all, they're found in Central and South America, um, which, so if you're a European and you, like, hear a story about it or you see one, Somehow, like, it's going to be, like, it's going to blow your mind. Um, So they're small. They're only about two feet long. um, And this allows them to achieve a little trick that merits them the nickname the Jesus Christ Lizard, which (laughs) I love that. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ Lizard. (laughs) Um, So when fleeing predators, they're able to build up enough momentum uh, that they can run across the surface of water. Uh, Their feet have scaly fringes that increase the surface area, distributing their weight such that they don't actually break the water tension. Uh, And also by rapidly slapping their feet against the water, they create air pockets that give them further buoyancy. So fucking cool. Um, And another fun thing about just the word basilisk. So you may like basil and basilisks sound really similar, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not a coincidence. So they both share the root Greek word little king. So the basilisk is the little king serpent and basil is little king of plants, I guess. Um, So there was this medieval myth that if you ate basil after being bitten by a snake, you would feel no pain. Um, The truth is if you eat basil after being bitten by a snake is you'll feel a lot of pain with like a hint of sweet aromatic pepperiness. It's a nice taste. It's a nice, it's it's a nice sort of like... um, uh, aftertaste to being bit to by, being a snake, by a snake, but you will be incredible pain and should go to uh-huh. a hospital. You but. definitely should. Right. But if you really like uh, a good scone, you should try right. to get bit by snakes as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so now I want to talk to you about The Rock. Not The Rock, but like The Rock. Dwayne? No, not Dwayne. Damn it. Um, but similar. 
Okay. Uh, so the rock, R-O-C, was a giant bird in Middle Eastern mythology that could carry off entire elephants. So, uh, which, you know, I mean, when you think about it, the rock... Could probably carry off I think he can elephant. fly, too, secretly. Yeah. I think he just knows that if he reveals he can fly, um, his fame would become too intense. Yeah. And he wouldn't get to make movies anymore, right? Right, exactly. Because everyone would want him to fly. We would, we would adopt him as our god, and then like he couldn't make mo- like sort of mediocre action movies yeah. anymore. Because God is his not, dream, right? God is yeah. not allowed to do Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, what I find so interesting about the Rock Myth is that there were real, really, actually, real life giant flying birds. Uh, one such bird was the. Uh, Argentavis magnificens. Uh, it was. Uh, it lived about seven million years ago. Um, so it went extinct before humans were around. Uh, but it had a wingspan of up to twenty-one feet. Uh, they were the largest flying birds to ever exist. Um, but as you may not know, not the largest flying animal. Uh, we talked on the show about uh, pterosaurs and the um, the. Quetzalcoatlus, uh, <laughs> forgot the rest of its name, but it's it's the it was a huge uh, flying reptile. What was its wingspan? Uh, the the Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. Um, it was about the size of a small airplane. <laughs> Fuck, that's so cool. That's so I. Uh, this is why I host a show about science <laughs> because this shit is so rad. Yeah. And so I, I loved when you said the Latin name of the Argentinian. It was a giant condor, right? Argentavis like magnificens. It was very similar to a condor, yeah. That the people who named it were like, this is magnificent. It is, <laughs> yeah. We got no better name for yeah. this thing. When it was, uh, stan- so as the name implies, it was found in Argentina, the fossil records. Um, when standing on the ground, it was as tall as a person. And uh, based on the uh the uh, anatomical structure researchers think it just like swallowed its prey hole. That's so cool. Uh, how big could a thing like that, like how right. much could it, what were its gains? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I think that it probably, one of the things I read is there was speculation that it probably just, instead of actually doing a lot of hunting, it scared predators away from the prey that it found. Oh, so like cool. scared giant carnivores away because here's this huge flying thing of death coming at you and then they would leave and then just like swallow just grab their prey and swallow it whole if you saw a thing with a 20-foot wingspan coming no i'd be done yeah it doesn't matter if you are cook for it i would actively like like say hey you come here i will cook for you i i yes please i'll I'll let you eat me honestly speaking you're my god now you are my god now exactly so there are i'll name you Dwayne, (laughs) the rock johnson (laughs) and you're my god God, he can fly. I know it. I we know, know it you down. can we fly. We know you can fly the rock. Dwayne, you if you're listening. To, you don't need to hide it anymore. Vin, Vin, I know you are a fan of this podcast. Right. And I know you and Dwayne The Rock Johnson aren't on the best of terms <laughs> well, right they now. Both, they both can fly, though. Yeah. They're, I mean... Everyone know, But Vin Diesel, it's more like uh, how those snakes can fly. Right, right. It's, it's a gliding kind Vin of thing. Vin Diesel can glide. Yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson Dwayne can, can fly. Dwayne can get sick altitude. Yes. Yeah. He can, he can peregrine falcon that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Statham can jump like a flea, but he can't fly. That is true. Kevin Costner can't actually make walk. any air. He yeah. well, he can walk. He just can't 
You can't jump. jump. He can't lift a foot. No, off no, the no. Ground. He's too. He's actually too entangled with the gravity of the mm-hmm. earth. Like he cannot. It's it's actually every step he takes is, you it's, know, it's, takes you know, tremendous effort. You know the term gravitas. Yes. It's and for him it's literal. He right. Has exactly. Literal gravitas when he tries to move. So his feet. <laughs> he's always sliding. Right. 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 That's he. Yeah. He actually kind of moonwalks around and just hopes Everywhere. nobody notices. Anytime you've seen Kevin Costner run, that's a body double. That is. Yeah. yeah exactly. So there were also. Uh, these uh, giant birds called terror birds. Um, <laughs> Again, this is what I yeah, am. Yeah. Uh, so they went extinct about 2.5 million years ago. Um, and uh, so they were the apex predator in South America. Um, again, like the like the Argentavis magnificens, uh, humans weren't around, luckily, because we'd be boned. <laughs> nope, um, you win. So uh, some species reached up to nine feet in height and weighed over half a ton. These Fuck. were flightless birds, though. So they had long, agile legs, huge beaks, and massive talons. Uh, according to Brazilian... It's a cake song. <laughs> according to the Brazilian ornithologist Herculino Alverinja. Uh, Portuguese names. Sorry. So hard. <laughs> he says, quote, an ostrich, the largest living bird, can swallow an apple, but... Phosphorosid, that's the uh, terror bird, can swallow a medium-sized dog in one gulp. Fuck. Just like, bye, Toto. Uh, oh, that's good. Okay, so an apple is our scale. What's next up from apple? What about dog. watermelon? No, dog. 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 Well, because these were carnivores. So, yeah, it's it's pretty, you can imagine these things just like stomping around, you know, squawking really loudly like, and just swallowing tiny dog-like animals and, and those animals were all like yeah no do it yeah i'm not gonna run from you yeah just like well okay i give up there goes my genetic lineage uh-huh. <laughs> this god wants me dead yeah a flightless bird i think in some ways is scarier than a flight full bird really because all the things that make you flight right the, the things that let you fly like tiny legs so you have to have delicate really, features delicate yeah. features tiny legs uh to fly and you you can be crazy muscular but like not you can't it's that, take a it's big that hit thigh, it's those thigh thickness it's the thick thighs it's those thick ass meaty thighs it's, right or it's like thighs forever thighs for weeks thighs for years for eons uh, <laughs> so the the theory why these went extinct is actually that um, they were too awesome. Well, no, sadly, when the uh, North American predators like saber toothed tigers migrated, when North and South America like smooshed together and started the Great Continental Smoosh, the Great Continental Smoosh. Um, uh, so the saber toothed tigers took over their niche. Uh, oh, so they like hunted. They didn't hunt the terror bird, but they no. hunted the terror bird. Right, prey, exactly. So they couldn't get enough. Right. That I guess they were too. The problem was they were too awesome, they so were, they never yeah. had to compete. Exactly. They were not. They were. They peaked in high school. Yeah. Uh, like evolutionarily speaking, and then like as soon as this like the who used to be a nerd in high school, and then they turned out to be awesome. They, they have just a didn't great personality. Right, and, exactly. Uh, cool hobbies and really right. long teeth. Right. They used to get made fun of for their orthodontics, but then it turned out they had these massive teeth. And just like agile as shit. Right. That guy who's really into karate in high school and you thought was a dork and now he's on Ninja Warrior. Right, exactly. (laughs) 
The chimera was a mythological beast that had the head and body of a lion with an extra goat head sticking out and the head and body of a snake as its tail. It was said to breathe fire and it's thought to have been inspired by the real Yanartis mountain area in Turkey's Olympos Valley. Here, gas vents under the ground allow small fires to continually burn, making it seem like a place where magical creatures breathe undying fire. Even stranger, there are real-life chimeras found throughout the animal and human realm. A genetic chimera is an individual who has cells of more than one genotype, typically meaning two or more zygotes fused to form a single organism. In animals, this can cause stark bilateral symmetrical patches of different fur or eyes, like a cat with black fur on one half of its face and orange fur on the other. Heterochromia, two differently colored eyes, can be caused by chimerism, but it's more often caused by mosaicism, a genetic scenario where an individual has more than one genotype but only from a single zygote, meaning that there was some weird cell replication abnormalities within that zygote. Chimeric humans are extremely rare, with only about 100 currently documented cases, one of whom is American singer Taylor Mull, whose torso is pink on one side and lighter on the other side. But there aren't any chimeras like in myth with multiple animal DNA in one organism. Or are there? In 2017, researchers at the Salk Institute in San Diego injected human stem cells into a pig embryo, creating a human-pig hybrid. Kinda. Sort of. The pig embryo was only about 0.001% human, and was only allowed to develop for 28 days in the pig's womb. So, no talking pigs of my nightmares yet! Speaking of nightmares, we have to take a break for some advertisements, but we'll be right back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kinda nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
When it comes to understanding human and animal behavior and psychology, we've had a bit of a rough start over the past few centuries. In medieval times, bestiary authors thought that lions breathed life into their young, and bears licked their young into shape. We know, of course, that they were likely licking the amniotic sac off their newly born young, but it's easy to see how such a behavior was misinterpreted. Human behaviors, too, have been wildly misinterpreted, and the history of psychology is a doozy. Throughout human history, people have thought mental illness was a sign of demonic possession. In fact, in ancient times, people practiced trepanning, the art of drilling a hole in the skull or chiseling a chunk of the skull bone out, which was thought to release evil spirits from the brain. Not all trepanning patients survived, but some did, even as far back as the Stone Age, as we have artifacts of trepan's skulls where the skull hole healed over. Drilling a hole in your skull sounds bad, but what about biting off your own testicles? <coughs> <laughs> what would you rather, Alex? Uh, dr- uh, dr- uh, drilling a hole in my skull. Yeah. Because if I bit off my own testicles, I'd have to somehow figure out the logistics of getting my mouth down there. Right. Which would, I think, hurt almost as much as the actual act. Right. You'd have to remove a few vertebrae first. Or like... A few ribs or something. Or I'd have, yeah, a few, or someone really strong would just have to force Fold me down you. there. Yikes. I'd have to get Dwayne The Rock Johnson to do it for me. Well, at least you're not a medieval beaver. I. <laughs> That's something I often remind, like when I'm feeling down and I'm giving myself a pep talk, I'm like, well, at least I'm not a medieval beaver. I really want that as a poster. <laughs> I'm moving apartments right now and I'm doing a lot of Etsy shopping for cool posters and I would love a poster of you yeah, saying that to at me. At least you're not a medieval beaver. Uh, our other catchphrase is, don't you noodle, stay in scoodle, which is uh, <laughs> about not noodling catfish. So here's a medieval theory about beavers. They were said to chew off their own testicles and throw them at hunters to avoid being captured. So you may be asking, why would this be helpful in any way, shape, or form? So beaver testicles used to be prized for their medicinal value. Um, Hunters were after that sweet, sweet juice called castorium, uh, which we talked about last time as uh, it's actually used as artificial vanilla flavoring uh today what yeah beaver nut is used as artificial vanilla flavor uh-huh sorry i need you to stop no i'm not gonna but they wait so like when i eat cheap vanilla ice cream it's not made in a lab it's taken from beaver testicles not always but it is fda approved as generally regarded as safe so fuck <laughs> damn it i mean most vanilla things are probably vanilla ass extract sorry i almost said vanilla extract which is more uh accurate when it comes to castorium closer um, yeah uh but in medieval times uh this was thought to be medicinal Um, so the thought is that if beavers bite off their own testicles, then lift a leg to show hunters that they no longer have those sweet, sweet castorium balls, uh, then, uh, they would be safe. Uh, this was also a weird Christian parable for living chastely so you wouldn't be captured by the devil. So basically sacrificing your, your gonads to not, uh, like get tempted by Satan or something, (laughs) which I don't know. I guess they were saying like 
cut off your own balls. Cut off your own balls yeah. and then then spread your legs for Satan right. to say, "Look like, at this! Look shit. at this, Satan! Fuck off, Satan! <laughs> I can't come." Uh, actually, I don't know if that's true about castrated people. That's not my area. Well, it's definitely you're not. You'd be shooting blanks. That's I think. true. So maybe you can still. I got no juice. Um, <laughs> you know the phrase vanilla sex. Yes. I'm never again going to think that that means boring <laughs> sex. It's going to mean something beaver-like, I suppose. Some beaver-like and with castration yeah. involved. Yeah. Uh, so. The last time I was on the show, we like talked about a lot of yeah. interesting sex practices and yeah. got in hot water for being a little too judgmental. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that no. here. No, don't judge. Don't judge. I don't want my testicles bitten off well, for vanilla sex. I'm going to I'm actually going to judge people for biting off testicles. There, I did it. Hot. I said it. Uh, hot take. A hot take. It's controversial, but you know. So uh, hunters at this time were wrong because what they thought they were getting were testicles, but they were actually, uh, this is disgusting, but they weren't balls. They were just glands that were holding the castoreum. Why so, is that more disgusting um, than if it was testicles? ironic. Oh, okay. It's a joke. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like too in it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit. I'm doing a bit. Okay. But the, the real testicles were inside the beaver the whole time. Because <laughs> the they were... The coming uh, from inside the house. <laughs> the, the balls are coming from inside the beaver. Um, and they did not bite off their own testicles, but they may have believed this because the testicles were internal. So they were like looking for testicles and they couldn't find them and they're like oh it's clearly they bit them off or something did they bite off the glands though? no okay. no they didn't do any no that the amount of intelligence the amount of human type intelligence ascribed to the beaver to say it knows the hunter is coming for my balls right i will therefore bite my balls off and <laughs> throw them at the hunter right plus show the hunter my empty ball yeah. area yeah is like, that's at least a 14 or 15-year-old human level of intelligence. Right, right. That's, yeah. I, I mean, beavers, they, they have their strengths. I don't think intuiting that people want their balls is one is, of them. No. no. I could not build a dam with my teeth and change <laughs> an ecological niche for myself. Right. But I could figure out if hunters were it, coming for my balls. Right, and you could figure out that if you rip off their your balls, you no longer have anything to offer the world. <laughs> that... That hurts because it's true. <laughs> so I couldn't find any examples of an animal biting off its own testicles. Um, uh, and we do know that there are cases where animals do ditch a part of their body to evade predators, like the autonomous tails of reptiles. They'll pop off, wiggle around, distract the predator while the lizard escapes. <laughs> but there are some orb-weaving spiders uh, called Nephilinges malabarensis. There we go. Who will detach their penises during mating? Didn't we talk about this last time I was on this podcast? We we may have talked about or a detach- different. I think a different okay. detachable penis. Because um, you talked about the King Missile song. Yes, yes, detachable penis. It's a very catchy song. Yeah, I think we were talking about sea slugs. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, but. Uh, so the female orb weaver of this species is a sexual cannibal. She'll eat the male after mating. So the male, by detaching his penis, allows his penis to keep working after he's dead. Uh, scientists found that the penis continued to pump sperm into the spider's uh, reproductive tract long after being detached, Fuck. up to 20 minutes. That's some straight up hentai shit. Uh, <laughs> 
So there are two other theories why this is beneficial. Uh, There's the plugging hypothesis, which is that it literally just plugs up the uh, female's genital opening, preventing other males Uh from copulating. But my favorite one is called the gloves off strategy. (laughs) Um, The idea is that eunuch spiders are better fighters um, by dropping their palp, which is basically their penis. Um, It allows them more agility to fend off competitors like punch them away from trying to mate with the female that they just mated with. Um, so the one thing keeping you back from being tough is your dick in this instance? Yeah, if you're an orb-weaving spider. Okay. Like, Do they re- have huge dicks? <laughs> Big <hole. laughs> I mean, I don't think so. It's interesting because like researchers did find that eunuch males were more aggressive and by dropping their penis, they increased their endurance and speed dramatically. Um, That this keeps, I know I keep talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but I want that to be a character feature. (laughs) A buff. Yeah. (laughs) You drop (laughs) your penis drop buff. buff. Nice. Um, The amount of things evolutionarily that creatures go through to make their sperm win is so fascinating. Yeah. Have you ever... I, I know this book has gotten a lot of pushback, but have you ever read Sex at Dawn? I've heard about that book. Yeah, I haven't it, read it. It's interesting. I think it deserves a read with a critical eye, but their hypothesis about human mating behavior is sperm competition. So right. it's not like man to man fighting because that, you know, we're not gorillas. We're not built like gorillas. So it's like we're competing with our sperm. Yeah. And it's a... It's definitely a bit utopian. You yeah. reading, you're like, oh yeah, I like want to live in a tribe where everyone's fucking all the time and people are happy, like bonobos. Right. So like, it's definitely pushing for that, and they have good evidence. But I've also seen other, you know, biological anthropologists pushing back against yeah. that evidence. But that the whole human penis anatomy is for sperm competition. Like it's yeah. just trying to pull the other competitor's sperm out. I mean, it's possible. But there are there is evidence of that in other animals. Like um, we talked about it on the show. But like there are penis shapes in animals that literally are used as like shovels to scoop out competitor sperm. So it's it's very possible that that's the case for humans. I think it's just like as we can tell like with these whole mythological things of misinterpreting the mm-hmm. evidence to mean something like in old times. We do the same thing today where we can misinterpret um, evidence like the shape of a wiener uh, <laughs> to mean something that may or may not be true. It's that's it's such a tricky thing uh, with evolutionary uh, history. But I, I would be really interested in I think I think that maybe would present a difficulty for studies to try to find out like how human wieners work during sex. No, but. I think they've like done it just with anatomical models. Like really interesting because it's I think pretty good for pulling it out. I'd love the yeah. I- the idea of a programmer spending like like hours and hours and weeks and weeks like doing a mathematically correct model for how a wiener works during sex. That's Oh, I was thinking they did it with like physical models, oh, really? but I like the idea of like it's still getting good. the topography, That's still good. Someone the liquid like, dynamics. Someone just like like thoughtfully watching a fake rubber wiener just going like... <laughs> no, not right. No, it needs more pliability. So speaking of sexual cannibals, uh, in me- medieval times, they thought that female vipers uh, conceived by biting off the male heads. Uh, According to the Aberdeen bestiary, the female viper conceives by biting off the male's head, her young bite through her stomach to be born, and then she dies. (laughs) Fuck, that's so metal. It's not true, though. Vipers don't do this. But certain species of praying mantises 
do bite off heads. And I think a lot of people are aware of, of that mm -hmm. idea that uh, mantises will bite off, the female mantis bites off the males after copulation. But one kind of myth busting thing is that they don't do this all the time. So even amongst the species, certain species don't do it at all. Amongst the species that do practice sexual cannibalism, only do it between 13 and 28% of the time, according to studies. And I love this. So uh, Sydney Brannock, a mantis expert at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History, says, quote, maybe if the female is starving or if the male irritates her, she might engage in that behavior, but they don't always do it. Just like the, the males like being being a real sex pest and she's just like, ugh, and eats his head. Well, that's how you know then if you're a good lay, if you're right. a praying mantis. Right. Like, I'm still alive. I've had sex three times. <laughs> no one's killed me yet. Odds are right, pretty good. Right, right, right. Uh, and it actually, there is a benefit to biting off the male's head. So it may be good for, for the children. Think of the children. <laughs> Bite off the male's head. So when female Chinese mantises eat their partners, they lay twice as many eggs uh, and the amino acids they get from the male's head are incorporated into the eggs they lay. Oh. So it, there is a there's an evolutionary benefit. And, what a good dad. And then, right, exactly. Just like our dad may be dead, but hey, we got we got right. the, that sweet head juice. <laughs> I thought my dad sacrificed a lot for me. <laughs> well, speaking of sacrifice, when you think about moms who sacrifice, you typically think about like, you know, picking you up from school every day and and helping you with your homework, maybe working a job and, uh, you know, always being there for you. But what about literally letting you drink her lifeblood? Mm, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Tell me about this awesome thing. So this is called uh, any sort of form of eating your own mom is called <laughs> matrophagy. Ah, uh, yes. I love Latin science words. <laughs> I love that there's a word for this yeah, thing. Yeah, of course there is. Uh, so the writers of Bestiaries were like super into it. These bored monks, just like <laughs> these bored heteronormative monks. <laughs> these probably horny bored uh -huh. monks. Horny for pelicans. Uh, so they would talk about that. There's this myth that the pelicans uh, were thought to bleed themselves to feed chicks. So they would use their beaks to stab their chest and then use that to feed How the chicks. How do you chicks. look at a pelican's stupid face structure and say, "Oh, that giant." pocket beak it's for like bleeding yourself how can you not i you know i guess you're right <laughs> if you're a bored medieval monk i guess yeah. that's where you go with it like a lot of the stories in the bestiaries this was another christian allegory the so the story goes that the pelican um like got annoyed this is a really funny story so like the one of the main recurring myths is that there's this pelican it's young grow up and they're really annoying. So mm -hmm. she like sits on them and then accidentally kills them. And she feels so guilty that she like uh, pierces her own breast and then her blood revives the chicks and they come back to life. And this is like Christian imagery of like the fall of mankind and then the blood of Christ redeeming man or something. I, I don't. It's a real long way to stretch. go. Yeah. It's a bit of a. Um, what if sin is like being sat on by a pelican <laughs> and Jesus is sacri... So wait, is God the pelican who sits on us? Yes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Okay. So really, we know that pelicans feed their chicks with sweet, sweet regurgitation, just like most birds but, you know, I was curious if there's like a real example of a mother animal 
allowing its babies to drink its lifeblood. What's it called? Matrophagy? Matrophagy. Matrophagy. Um, like matrimony, but matrophagy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there kind of is an example. So we actually have uh, talked about, I, I'm, I swear this is not a clip show, even though I keep referencing other episodes. Um, there was the Whoa Mama episode where we talked about, mm. you know, matrophagy in animals where uh, they often eat their own moms. But I, I don't think we talked about this example. So the female, um, it's called a Stichodiphus lineatus uh, spider. Uh, it's found in Mediterranean Europe. They're pretty small. They're about half an inch big. Um, and in order to feed its babies, it will uh, regurgitate its last meal as well as 41% of her body mass fuck. out of her face, oh, including fuck. her own guts and stomach. Uh, so she just like basically disembowels herself by vomiting everything out uh, to feed her young. And she dies, obviously, and the babies gleefully eat the mom pudding. I can oh my god, mom pudding. Here's a picture if you'd like uh, it. I don't, but I will. Fuck go. no! Oh <laughs> shit! Oh fuck! I'm sorry to the editor for hearing me scream. Oh damn it! That's so bad. What I just showed Alex and what I'll probably post uh, online for you guys to enjoy is a picture of this spider with a bunch of babies just covering her face eating her i can just think of the the single spider of this species that hasn't had kids yet and like all of its friends who are about to die being like (laughs) no it's so great you'll just love it you're gonna love being a mom being a mother is like the greatest sacrifice you can make because you're literally dying there's nothing more beautiful there's nothing more beautiful than when you vomit your guts out of your face and you know that like yes you will die for sure because your guts are now outside of your body but it's to nourish your children it's beautiful it's beautiful you're dying for something bigger (laughs) than you oh god i mean mother's day for these spiders must be a odd affair right (laughs) (laughs) just as myths were an attempt to understand animal behavior before more scientific methods were discovered legends may be a way to describe unexplained dangers in our environment and may help keep us safe an example is that of the 1986 Lake Nyos disaster in Cameroon, when an eruption of CO2 from the lake killed thousands of people and animals, displacing the breathable air and suffocating them. But even before scientists investigating the incident understood the disaster, local legend had documented magical killer springs that killed animals that approached to drink the water. Learning about these myths led scientists to discover that the hot springs had high concentrations of volcanic gases and that such a spring was likely at the bottom of the lake, spewing gas and causing a high concentration of CO2 to build up. And this may not have been the first time the lake killed. Local legends warned people of the haunted Nyos Lake that could explode or swallow up and kill people. The indigenous people considered the shores of Lake Neos to be cursed, and only newer immigrants lived there. In this case, the superstition actually saved the lives of those who followed it. I'm not saying every myth is true, but if someone warns me about a haunted lake, I think I'm going to (laughs) pass. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. 
You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Before a more modern understanding of evolutionary biology, humans have been weaving fantastic tales from fossil records and animal artifacts, like how dinosaur bones were thought to be dragons. But lest you think modern society is immune to coming up with fantastic explanations for odd discoveries, here's a contemporary example. You may have seen the image of a small, strange-looking humanoid mummy. It has an elongated skull, elongated limbs, and looks like the remains of a tiny alien. The skeleton, called Atta, named after Chile's Atacama Desert, in which it was found, was thought to be evidence of aliens by UFOologists, or was thought to be the ancient remains of some strange humanoid. But when researchers analyzed the body, not only did they find that it was only 40 years old, but it was unmistakably human. The genome sequenced identified it as a female fetus with a number of genetic mutations that affected its connective tissues, as well as a bone aging disorder that resulted in the fetus's alien-like appearance. But back before we had the technology of genetic sequencing, we had to rely on hunches, like in the case of the mystical unicorn. So you like unicorns, Alex? Uh... Personally, uh, no, oh. but for the sake of this bit, yeah, I love unicorns. <laughs> no, no you, why don't you like unicorns? Uh, I don't like unicorns because I think they've come to like mean, like I'm wacky. Oh, I see. I'm unique. Cause, R- right. But that's silly because I, I feel like the appeal of a magical unicorn is so universal. It doesn't make you wacky. You wacky or unique. It's like, oh, I like pizza. Like, mm-hmm. I'm interesting. So not everyone right. likes pizza unless a you're magical lactose horse, A magical horse that, like, grants you wishes? Like, yeah, of course you're going to like it. What's not to like? <laughs> a magical battle horse that right, grants right. you wishes. Exactly. Uh, so the legendary unicorn may have arisen from real animal bones and sightings, like from the description of the monoceros or rhino. So the most iconic unicorn horns look eerily similar to the narwhal husk or the narwhal tusk the husk of (laughs) a narwhal narwhal. the tusk of a narwhal in fact the vikings used to sell narwhal tusks as unicorn horns uh, which were ground into powder and used to 
neutralize poison supposedly and cure melancholy like which is a form of depression i guess and obviously it couldn't do either of those things but hey you know so here's the real story behind that unicorn horn which is actually just the narwhal tusk and it's actually super incredible and more incredible than a unicorn horn. Um, so you may have already heard this if you listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind episode on teeth, where I, I talked about the narwhal horn. Um, but here's a quick rundown. So it's actually an oversized canine tooth, um, and it's uh, typically the upper left canine, so it's asymmetrical. Uh, and it's very rare that a narwhal actually has two symmetrical tusks. Um, and it's a bit of a mystery as to why they have it. Um, one theory is that, the, is that it's a mating display because it's typically males that have it, although 15% of females can have it. But the more interesting theory is that it's actually a sensory organ because it has millions of nerve endings and is actually composed of what's closer to the sensitive parts of the tooth than the outer enamel. Um, and they have all these little holes and channels that allow the water to flow in and hit the nerves. Uh, so the theory is that they could be collecting information about the water um, and also that males who rub their tusks together aren't fighting or doing some kind of sexual competition, but they're like communicating about uh, like the quality of the water, like sharing information by like, sort of like rubbing, I guess, the water that was trapped in their tusks into the other tusks That's and showing them where they've been. So awesome. That's so great. The The idea of different sensory apparatus trips me out so hard. Like we did a, a science to show show about like having different senses. And right. um, there there's, I for, always forget the name of this researcher, but I love him. And my co-host, who's our science producer, loves this guy's research, but he's the guy who's like, built the vest with vibrating motors on it that can like read the stock market and sort of give you <laughs> yeah. extra senses. Yeah. And the idea of what kinds of senses yeah. are out there that we don't have right. is so cool. And that your sense is just a giant ass tooth. Right. That's all the sensitive cold, like the part <laughs> of your teeth that you hate. Yeah. Where you eat cold ice cream yeah. and you're screaming. Like, yeah. let's just put, that sounds like my hell. Yeah. It, it seems like there's got to be a good reason or like that the brain can interpret it not as pain, but as like another mm -hmm. sense. Um, one of the reasons it may be important for them to have that sensory tooth is that if they uh, can detect salinity, uh, like where there's high salt concentrations, it can indicate that ice is forming. Mm. And getting trapped within the ice is a real danger for narwhals because uh, yes. they'll suffocate. Because they, they're, right. they're mammals, they have to breathe air, they have to uh, surface to breathe. Uh, so if they are trapped under the ice, they will die. Um, you know, the science is far from settled, but I think that makes it more intriguing. Like I'm really interested to see uh, as research on this develops and see like what the heck because like why would they have like super sensitive teeth that don't actually do anything right that are so massive right it's like having the most sense it's like having a comically big penis <laughs> that you're just carrying just around waving around yeah, just waving around detecting like dipping it into water and being like <laughs> mm, this water is just right this is too salty <laughs> So now I want to talk about the legendary griffins uh, who could carry away cows and humans alike. Uh, most people know what a griffin looks like, but it's got the head wings and front claws of an eagle and the hind legs and tail of a lion. Um, and in the 1300s, they found evidence of griffins, giant talons and giant eggs. 
Uh, so these claws were thought to be only obtainable by priests, and so they're actually kept in church treasuries. What? Um, and uh, so, and they really do look like giant claws. Let me show you okay. a picture of this thing. Um, oh yeah, what the fuck is that? Wait, yeah. is that a mammoth tusk? No. I mean, that definitely looks like it, but uh, so uh, the typical uh, the typical uh, griffin claw was actually an ibex horn. Oh, uh, shit. So uh, the ibex is a species of goat that lives in the European Alps. Uh, the males have huge horns that are used in sexual contests. So these horns can grow up to five feet in length and grow constantly. Uh, so horns are really interesting because they're actually live extensions of the skull. They have a bone core that's alive and then a keratin exterior. And they're actually, I think, kind of an interesting thing is they're different from antlers. Can, antlers are actually uh, dead bone material covered in like live skin often, um, whereas horns are live bone covered in keratin. Huh. Um, and then the eggs of a griffin were probably ostrich eggs, which are the largest eggs uh, in the world currently. Well, not not the largest eggs. I think the largest actual egg is the whale shark egg sac, but they're the largest bird eggs. Why wouldn't you know that that was an ibex horn? Like if you were living in the Alps, because these well priests, maybe they weren't living in the Alps. They just like showed up, and everyone was like, "Don't tell that fucking English guy right. about our ibex." <laughs> like you'd see an ibex just prancing around. Well, a lot of them probably didn't see the ibex, or if they, I mean, it's also I think just the um, it's like why would you confuse a snake for a basilisk? You want it's like when there are right. mysterious things like cows disappearing or people disappearing having that monster that can be defeated or this this actual thing and a reason for like the bad random crap that just yeah. happens i think it's so compelling that yeah you know like it's like the fiji mermaid like yeah we know it's like a it's like a monkey skeleton sewn to a fish but like just you want there to be weird mermaids and you want to be the one who knows about right. it right i so i would be remiss if i didn't mention that my alma mater sarah lawrence college we were the griffins <laughs> oh really that was our our mascot cuz we didn't really play sports cuz yeah. you know we're a bunch of like theater and art kids Yeah. but it's the same thing we're like well we know a thing you don't <laughs> like we're we're smarter than yeah. you yeah like, we're actually a magical beast. <laughs> uh, we can carry away cows, yeah. but only priests can find our cows. <laughs> um, so now, finally, I want to talk about one of my favorite mythical creatures, which is the jackalope. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, really been, it, it's been popularized by North American folklore. Um, and it's a jackrabbit with uh, so-called antelope horns. But these horns that you see... Uh, aren't actually from antelopes. Um, I think the closest thing uh, would be the North American pronghorns, also called the prairie antelope, because they have those kind of like um, pointy deer-like horns a little bit. But most of the taxidermies of these jackalopes that you have in your head, they actually just use deer antlers. So uh, the horned hair uh, actually didn't originate in North America so 13th century Middle Eastern art depicts rabbits with a single horn. Uh, 17th century natural history texts depict horn hairs uh, throughout Europe. And in Central America, mythology 
uh, has described horned rabbits for for many, many uh, ages. In North America, it was popularized by taxidermist Douglas Herrick uh, in 1932, who just like got a dead rabbit, had some deer antlers, and put it, put them together. What do you got? You got a jack jackalope, uh, and he coined the term jackalope, and uh, people were really taken with it. They they loved just this kind of American mythos. Um, but the origin of the jackalope uh, throughout history may have actually come from real sightings of rabbits with horns. Um, so the Shope papilloma virus. Uh, is a real virus that infects rabbits that can cause horny protrusions to form on these poor little bunnies. So let me show you a picture of a really severe case. Oh, uh, fuck. That looks like a xenobite. Yeah, yeah. That's so all over that thing. So it is these growths called keratinous carcinomas. Basically, they're growths made out of keratin, which is the stuff found in fingernails and coating the outside of horns. Um, unfortunately for the bunnies, uh, these are real bad news. They can uh, metastasize or they can interfere with feeding and functioning. God, um, I bet that shit hurts too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's actually uh, it's actually similar to the human version of the virus. Oh no, are you so, going to show me a picture of this? <laughs> no. It's a papillomavirus, which is a family of viruses that also can infect humans. So that includes HPV, or that's human papillomaviruses, basically. And so you may think of HPV as being the thing that causes um, cervical cancer, but it causes a, it, that it's a whole family of viruses. So it's responsible for warts um, all over your body. Mm. <laughs> can be like uh, you know, uh, it can also, as I mentioned, it can cause some cancers. Um, and so, uh, that's, it's a similar virus that infects, uh, uh, these wild rabbits. You can't get it from a rabbit, but it is really interesting. And the Shope papillomavirus was discovered in, uh, Midwest cottontail rabbits in the U.S., um, but it can affect many species. So jackrabbits and European rabbits. So I don't see why not like this, you know, it's a, it's a virus. It's probably been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so those sightings of horned rabbits could have been real rabbits that had uh, these uh, these growths on their heads that really do look like horns. And in fact, compositionally, they're very similar to a lot of horns in that they are made out of uh, an outer layer of keratin. What a strange virus. I wonder what... I mean, viruses evolve like anything else. Like, why is this the evolutionary path? Does the Does the horn help it spread? Like a fungus? I don't think almost? so. No. It's just a, I, I don't a think thing it does. Yeah, I think it's that it is um it's a replica you know, the, the virus's whole thing is replication, uh, and then if it is causing these like um like with cancer and stuff, it uh a virus can cause a cancer by uh you know, inducing these genetic abnormalities mm. that uh cause these replication errors and um cells normally have something where it's a um it's a it's sort of a suicide function so the cell will die which is good for your body because you don't want a cell that has uncontrolled growth and doesn't die um so with a with a cancerous growth um that sort of like it's called apoptosis it, it doesn't go through that so you get these uncontrolled growths um which is not necessarily like a quote unquote goal of the virus it's just it's futzing with your <laughs> 
with your DNA and it's um, causing these these abnormalities. It can even like cause your body to send out growth hormone transmitter signals that is telling your body to like give resources to this this growth, like grow blood vessels towards a tumor. Ugh, um, but so, it's purely random. It's doing its right. own shit yeah, and yeah, it yeah. accidentally flips a yeah, switch because somewhere. Because not, not all cancers are even caused by a virus. Mm. So a virus is just one potential cause of a cancer. Mm. The cancer and the growth is just your own cells going wacky. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a freaky thing. And if you look at these pictures of these poor bunnies, you can see some pictures like they just look like a couple of horns on the rabbit's head. I've actually seen one in real life. Really? Yeah. It's, it was, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you, it, it, it was a little surreal because you see this rabbit with a big horn on its head and you're like, whoa. Where were you? Just like, uh, it was in San Diego. It was just hopping around? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. Um, Your immediate response wasn't to like kill it. No, no, because I knew what it was. Okay. Um, but it was. It's. I did feel bad for it. I guess I'm one of the villagers with the torch. <laughs> I guess with the torch and the uh, with the rake. The torch and, and the rake and a suit covered in mirrors. Mirrors and leather. <laughs> I'm here for the party. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I feel like if I'm. I'm too soft. I'm too much of a softy. I see a weird animal. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I want to be friends with you. And it's like eating my hand. I'm like, oh, look at it. Little hand kisses. <laughs> That's why you have friends and I'm a misanthrope. <laughs> I see something weird and I'm like, nah, not going to deal with it. I'd rather be alone. That's why I get peed on by a lot of weird animals or insects that I pick up and then they just like pee goo on me. I'm like, cool. That is your claim to fame. <laughs> Katie Golden, been peed on by a lot of weird things. Yeah. And like I, I the, there was this big ball of bees uh, that I found on the street. And I was just like sitting next to them like being like whoa you're a big ball of bees on the ground like they didn't sting me and i knew they probably wouldn't because like when they're when they're in that state they aren't aggressive what are they doing they're looking for a new hive but since that's not their hive they're pretty docile they're not territorial oh so but it was still funny because there's like bees kind of buzzing around and like investigating you and you're like this could go very wrong (laughs) i wouldn't recommend it uh but you know it was it was still cool yeah that's Um, very brave of you (laughs) We should all take a page out of your book, but only one. Well, don't screw around with bees, especially because some people are allergic and can be really bad. I don't think I'm allergic, but uh, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to risk it. Yeah. Uh, And don't screw around with rabbits with weird growths on your head, their head, because, you know, they could be a deadly jackalope. (laughs) Probably not. You never want. The idea of desecrating a corpse like that is terrifying to me. You mean like A, a, a jackalope. Oh, you mean like the taxidermy? That someone is like, this will be fun. Like, <laughs> let's sew one part of this yeah. animal onto another part of that animal. There's a taxidermist, and I can't remember the artist's name, but they would sew a bunch of animals together. And they were actually a really talented taxidermist, but it was extremely disturbing because some of the animals, I think, were like threatened or endangered. And it was just Fuck. like... Real, like they claim that they hadn't been hunted, but it was still there's something off about it. And I enjoy a good a good natural history taxidermy. I'm not put off by taxidermy for educational uh, purposes, but like the novelty mice taxidermy where they're like in Whoa. scenes, it, that that kind of. I've never gotten gotten that. Yeah. I am okay. So I uh, I am I'm recently single. Uh, I need to announce that to the world. And part of <laughs> and like, looking for taxidermists. And looking for taxidermists. Uh, <laughs> like you, when you're exploring the dating world, there's like 
a subset. I'm sure there are men like this too, but like women, which I'm singularly interested in, are like into dark things and taxidermy. And like mm-hmm. dark shit is fine if that's your thing, but like once it's like dark shit and also I like taxidermy, like what you like, that's cool. But I am so put off by that. I talked to a woman who was, um, when I moved uh, to LA, I was looking for roommates and she is a taxidermist. And I hung out around taxidermy a lot because it was, you know, went to the Natural History Museum a lot. I I watched um, taxidermists professionally, like stuffing birds. And it's like, there's something sort of, there's something a little unnerving about it, but it's Mm -hmm. also like when you're doing it with respect and doing it to preserve specimens there's something kind of like almost you know it's like how doctors have to like dissect cadavers mm-hmm. it's there's something a little bit morbid about it but it's for a greater purpose but then i was talking to her and she was like talking about how she was like collecting roadkill and like when her dogs die she's gonna like taxidermy their ears and keep them I'm like well it was certainly nice talking to you i'm sure she's a really nice person I'm but sure. i was just like I, and i was thinking the smell of formaldehyde is probably Ooh, just everywhere boy. in that <laughs> Ooh, in that situation but speaking of crazy frightening taxidermy um there's this artist katie clark who uh no <laughs> no put that away it's ah uh, fuck what she likes to do it's not a real human but oh. she she does taxidermy where it's an animal like an antelope with a human face on it and the human face looks a little bit like it's real but it's not oh for anybody who likes anime i'm getting a real strong full metal vibe from that shit <laughs> oh fuck it's uh it's quite upsetting um, How are you just looking at this? Oh, just at a at a human face plastered to a dead antelope. I don't know. I mean, it it is it's weird. It's it's kind of it's a little bit fascinating, but it's also just like that's a bridge too far for even for me. Is the <laughs> but you're staring at it so calmly. Well, you know. What have you seen that this isn't oh, bothering you? Well, I mean. I don't know if I should get into it. I've held a brain before, uh, like a human and a monkey brain. Okay. All um, right, keep going. I mean, you know, I've held a dead dead sea angler with a uh, the male attached to it. That was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, that's cool, but, like, why are you not disturbed by this? I, I mean, I am. I'm just, like, you know... It's all on the... Here's the key. You bottle up all your emotions and you never express them. And then that's that's how you go through life. That's oh. my recommendation. Oh, that's um, a great idea. <laughs> well, it's been great having you on the show. We'll end on the note of human faces attached <laughs> to antelopes. Okay. Um, so you got anything to plug? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do have stuff to plug. So Science the Show, uh, which is a live show, but it's called Science, exclamation point, the show, is a live monthly show we do right here in Los Angeles. Uh, L.A. has some of the best comedy in the world, uh, but it also, weirdly enough, has some of the best science in the world. We have JPL, Caltech, uh, we have all the UC schools. There's so much amazing science that happens here, and uh, we found that a lot of people don't know 
that science is a thing that happens right around the corner from you. Uh, scientists are real people just like you and that they are also down to party and like jokes and uh, can be weird and nerdy and awkward and super fun to talk to. So our goal has always been to humanize scientists um, and the science they do. So we run it like a night of stand-up. We have an amazing uh, local L.A. stand-up perform every month. We do sort of an impromptu science experiment among myself and the other two hosts, Russell Cohen-Hoffing, who's a working research psychologist, and Dylan Farr, who's an amazing, hilarious stand-up. And then we end the night with uh, an amazing presentation from a scientist. We, we say it's like a TED Talk for people who don't know much about science presentations, but it's a lot more fun and a lot less like looking down its nose at you than a TED Talk. And then we have a Q&A so you can get all your burning questions answered. So find us uh, wherever you find people on social. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will one day have a podcast coming out. We're just trying to figure out how to make that not just three dudes talking about science uh, (laughs) because no one needs that in their life. And then um, I used to do a podcast called At Least There's This, a show about some of the small good things in our world of garbage. Katie was on an episode. I was. I talked about birds. It was really fun. Um, Some of your favorites from this network have all been on that episode. It's been on hiatus for about a year plus, but I'm going to be bringing it back sporadically in the next few months. So a few more episodes will drop. So catch up with all of those. You can find that Facebook, Instagram, iTunes at at least pod. And uh, find me on Instagram at a period F period Schiffman, S-H-I-F-M-A-N. Check me out. And as always, you can find us at uh, on the internet at CreatureFeaturePod.com, on Instagram at CreatureFeaturePod, on Twitter at CreatureFeetPod, F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. You'll find something very different. Uh, you can find me at Katie Golden. And of course, as always, I am at ProBirdRights. And you should follow that because being a bird is pretty great. Gotta say. And we will be back next Wednesday with more Creature Feature. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their awesome song, Exolumina. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? 
Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.